Hello, everyone. Welcome to the official Outlander podcast. I'm Matt Roberts, writer and executive producer. Exciting episode, or I shouldn't say exciting episode last week. I should say a tearjerker. Um, and this kind of gets us uh, into the story. We talked earlier on the earlier podcast, how we tried to finish up um, the season six story of it all. And, and that's where um, the first two episodes did that for us. And now we're kind of starting into the story of uh, season seven. Um, as you can see here in the cold open, uh, we have that mystery box. wonder what that's going to be about. Um, I know you guys already saw the episodes here. I already know what it's about. I, I thought today, in, instead of just going over what, what you've already seen in the episode, is I kind of take you through the process of uh, an episode and how we start. And essentially, uh, uh, we have there's three components of making a show, and that's uh, the writing. And then there's the production, that's the filming. And then we have post and that's the editing and everything else that goes into it, not just the editing, but we have uh, color timing, we have visual effects, we have music, we have all the titles that are put on. So I'll, uh, I'm gonna take you through some of that. And we can also talk a little bit about, um, uh, like I said, I've read a lot of questions in the past and. And I'm going to try to answer some of those in in this uh, in this podcast. Um, so what happens, you know, I think we're most of you who listen to this are pretty well versed in the the breaking of the episode. We read the books, obviously, and then we break down what book we're doing, and um, and then we put it on this big whiteboard and we we list out each episode, and then we write up a story document for each episode, and then. And then we break it. Uh, then the writer goes off and, and turns in a script. We go over the script. And then once the script gets to production, we, on the first couple of days, have uh, what work we call a page turn. And if I uh, uh, go off on a tangent uh, um, here, uh, I'll talk about what we're doing. You know, I'll talk about the process. And I might go back and talk about a scene or two as we go through the episode. So the page turn is essentially the director um, and the writer producer who's covering and um, me uh, and the HOD. So the heads of department will all get around a, 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 in the meeting room and we just flip through the scripts. The directors do two episodes, we film in blocks. And now we're getting into the second block um, and they filmed episode three and four. Um, so what we do is we basically go over the script in, in relatively um, quick. We don't break down every scene. We don't break down every word of dialogue. That dialogue's not even considered in a page turn, oddly enough. It is just what's happening in the scene and where it takes place. And we just talk about overall concerns. Someone may bring up, 
how many extras they think might be in a scene or where they where we would like this shot if we haven't picked out um, a location yet or you know what we've shot at a certain place before and how we can show it in a new light if we've already um, seen a place multiple times like Lollybrock or um, the the um, which is Fiona's house now. Um, this particular block um, was very challenging early on when we discussed it because of the big house and the explosion, which you saw last week. And now what you've seen this week um, is the actual burn. And because we had to, because we film out of order, um, the biggest question when we were breaking down this, uh, uh, these episodes in this block was when to do the actual burn of the house. And um, it was horribly heartbreaking to see such a big, beautiful set um, essentially destroyed. And uh, real flames in a lot of places, we accentuate um, a lot of things in visual effects just for safety reasons, of course, but there are um, uh, real flames being used, just like when we did the print shop um, in season three, we actually built a facade of the print shop on our back lot, and we actually burned it multiple times um, to get all the footage we needed. So in between, um, this is like, when are we going to actually do the burn so we can film uh, these action sequences um, and then, but once it's burns, it's burned. You can't go back and go, oh, hey, we didn't get this shot when they were talking in the parlor or in the surgery. or So all those action scenes had to be, be filmed. Um, uh, they had to be filmed earlier than this actual block. And then, and then um, we came in and filmed some of this stuff after uh, these little inserts. Well, they weren't little, but inserts to kind of tie it all together. Um, again, really heartbreaking for a lot of, uh, the cast and crew to see this big, big set go up in flames. I'm sure somewhere, um, in the world, Gary Steele, who designed and built this is, is weeping. But Outlander has a history of building magnificent sets and then tearing them down. Um, the Great Hall only lasted seven episodes uh, in season one, and we tore it down. Um, one of the all-time favorites, um, certainly in production, was the Star Chamber that only lasted really an episode, but it was it, it took up a whole stage um, to build it, and um, really sad to to see something that glorious go up and then to immediately tear it down. So. Uh, sometimes that's just part of the business. I think, um, you know, you, you fall in love with sets, you fall in love with locations, you fall in love with cast and crew and, and, you know, people leave, people leave the show sets have to go. And, um, you just, you, just, you know, they're always every, everything that we do is part of the Outlander family and it always stays. Once you're Outlander family, you're always family. That's the way we kind of see it. 
um, both here uh, in, uh, in the States and the UK. Speaking of going back in time, I mean, we've, we've been on this set multiple times as a practical location that we go to and we use it when we need to, um, or when they allow us to. So, um, so back to the page turn, we go, we go through both scripts and once that's done, then the director, the, uh, AD, the assistant director, the director of photography and the writer producer who's covering the block and, and they stay from prep all the way through shooting, um, go out and start prepping the episodes. And it usually starts with location scouts. You go out and what we call walking the course. So in this instance, they would walk around and this was filmed much later, by the way. Um, uh, it's the burn set. Um, they would walk the course and, and they're like, oh, this would be a great place to shoot this scene. And this would be a great place to shoot. The, maybe we could put the cameras here. Can we do this? Where's the sun going to be? Where, you know, how long are we going to be able to shoot here? These are just multiple, multiple questions. And, and I was trying to guesstimate how many meetings each episode has um, from start to finish. And I would have to say, if you start from the first meeting of what's this episode going to be about um, in writing to the last meeting you have when we lock the show and we finally put, you know, put it to bed at playback, it could be a thousand meetings. Um, they re we really do spend a lot of time on on these, and, and I'm sure it's, most shows have have these um, have these meetings. Uh, you know, every show I've ever been involved with uh, does a lot of meetings, but Outlander particularly does. Um, we do a lot, and I'm not saying we do more. I'm just saying we do a lot, and and the reason being is every episode of Outlander is its own little micro movie. Episode one, really in the world of, we had ships, we had Wilmington, we had uh, just completely different that feel than episode two. And episode three, we're back here on the ridge. You know, this is a practical set. And when you're looking at it, that's not visual effects. That is the burn. We burn the set down. And it, it takes a lot of coordination. And when you say coordination, you're talking about meetings. So after the page turn, I'll sit down with the director, writer, producer, the AD, DP. A lot of times the editor of that episode, will, uh, the episodes will come in. And what we do is called a pre-tone. And the tone is essentially, you know, some people call it a concept meeting. We, we've always called it a tone meeting. And what you do is you talk about the script. And the first tone meeting, the pre-tone, is um, all about the director. The director gets to talk about how they feel about the scripts. And we go through them and they talk about their concerns, if they have any, they talk about what they love. Hopefully that's everything. Not usually the case because everybody has an opinion. And that's great. We get someone else's opinion, um, uh, you know, artistic opinion on the scripts. And some things that 
when you write your script in your office far away from where we shoot, sometimes you write what we call in a vacuum and you just don't, you know, you don't know the, the ground you're writing for. So you may set something on top of a, of a, you know, in the highlands on top of a mountain overlooking the highlands. And it sounds like a great idea. And then you have to get an entire crew out there and it's a page and you realize, okay, this miraculous scene that's a page long, we can't go all the way out to the highlands and film, you know, take the cast and crew out there for a page. Cause that's, you know, a couple hours of filming and, and it just takes too much time and effort to get out there. So the, the writer uh, or the, the director goes through the scripts with us and we, we basically break down the tone we're looking for in the episode. Uh, I'll use uh, episode two as an example. Um, what I often say to the directors is Outlander isn't like every other show you may have worked on because we look for different things. You know, we don't look for the exciting, you know, wagon chase or the underwater fight, you know, that they fall off the ship or, you know, sword fighting on the, on the, on the ship, you know, Jamie, we just live and breathe in a different world. And that's a, you know, it's our love story. So I talk about making time for the scenes that make up Outlander and they may seem small. And I really, you know, I've, I've read reviews in the past seasons about uh, nothing really happening. And that always makes me smile in the, in, in a way that if you think nothing's happening in Outlander, you're not paying attention because there's everything's happening. It's just not happening in that fast and furious way um small things make up our lives and if you pay attention those small things you know think of all the things in your lives that that's the small moment that you remember for the rest of your life well that's what we try to create here on outlander and we try to create them in the scenes we try to you know pull from the books and and those those moments that you loved reading that made your heart swell or made your eyes well, those are the emotions we're trying to recreate. We know we can't recreate the books and we don't even, to tell you the truth, try because it's impossible to give you that same feeling the first time you felt it. So we're trying to give you the essence. And that's the other thing we talk about in the tone meetings. I want the essence of the book. If it's not a book scene, if we had to create it whole cloth because of production or some reason, it has to have the essence and every scene has to have the essence of Outlander. And that's the, the, the kind of goal of that meeting. So then after that, um, again, there's individual uh, meetings that take place. So art department will sit down with um, the director and the writer and the writer producer um, who's covering DP, AD. And they'll go through the costumes. And these are the costumes that were are planned for um, the uh, block. Um, a lot of times, you know, our designer, uh, you know, Terry in the past and Trisha um, now, they 
they they get this they get material as soon as possible we 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 used to send them stuff early because they had to know what they were building because these costumes are uh you know intricate it takes a long time to build they don't just go out to you know they can't just go out to um a store and buy any of this stuff this is all made it's handcrafted it, it's just the the detail to um the the costumes is it's from day one has been out of this world it it gives these it gives the actors you know imagine being in period costume but not just period costume broken down period costume that feels like it's real that's you know in talking to the to the cast over this last decade it makes all of them it helps them get into character so these meetings are are really important that that the their director understands um you know what what outlander costumes are and how they help tell the story and how important they are in a lot of ways i mean the fact is when we were doing you know the the there was the wedding dress the red dress of course had to be um showcased would be the word i would use and it was so prominent in the books. We knew that we had to um, showcase it on on the show, and it 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 happens that way a lot, you know. And and I know that Jamie's had some iconic uh, pieces. Of course, Claire's have multiple iconic pieces, um, and we we try to convey to the directors how important that is that we see them when they are important to the story, when, they, when they're important to conveying the story, we have to see them, we have to know about them. And uh, so that's the costume meeting. And then they go to props and they'll talk about props and, and the important props in every episode. We've had so many. Um, and I'd mentioned, I think uh, maybe in the first podcast, maybe the second that I have in my office in Scotland, um, just a, a, a collection of all the props from season one um, all the way through um, the end of season seven. I have it's some weird collection. If you ever walked in there, you, you might wonder why I have, um, you know, I have swords, I have war clubs, but I also have puppets and astrolabes. I have uh, uh, Stephen Bonnick's bollocks uh, on a shelf, which makes for, odd conversation when someone comes to the office for the first time um but our props department is you know part of the bar department and it's they they just do such a great job building these so you know i have a couple gold bars uh sitting on my desk um not real of course but uh the prop props made them and they look and feel real and, and um uh it just it just helps you know it just helps give authenticity to the show so once once they do um they'll do props again we have um every department will get there so hair and makeup will do a meeting they'll go through what they think you know okay we'll we'll you know what their what their hair is going to look like or their makeup's going or there's going to be any wounds you know, how long is the wound going to last? Should it last through the whole block? Should it carry on to the next block? Depending on 
how severe the wound is, obviously. So, and it's Outlander, so we have a lot of wound talks because there's a lot of wounds on Outlander. We have um, what we call uh, extras, so uh, essays, how many we need in each scene. So they'll go through each scene, they'll go this scene particular, no one, we didn't need anybody other than the bugs and Jamie and, and um, young Ian were there, but no essays were, were there to fill out the scene. Sometimes we do that in the background. We, oh, well, not sometimes, all the time, we, we figure out who's gonna be, some scenes require hundreds, whereas some scenes require a couple. Another, another uh, about a couple, maybe two weeks into prep, we have a scheduling meeting. And the scheduling meeting is to go over what exactly what it sounds like, the schedule. Okay, so you're looking at a nighttime scene here. Well, we had a daytime scene just previous to this. So they're not filmed in the same day, obviously. So we, we plan accordingly and our expert schedulers, usually the ADs will schedule. Um, we have a fantastic uh, producer um, named Patrick Conroy, who if you ever saw the names in the past used to be an AD for us. And he's, uh, he's uh, now one of our, here's co-producer and uh, he does all the scheduling for us. And, and there's so much in this season. And now that we can talk about it, because we have two different time periods, almost two different casts doing two different storylines. And it's the scheduling on that is uh, massive. So we brought on Patrick to essentially do the day-to-days of scheduling. And day-to-days means everything, things change every day. You know, uh, people get sick. We were still dealing early on, certainly with COVID protocols. We had actors getting COVID on the, you know, the day before they were supposed to film. You got to juggle. Um, you got to juggle the schedule. You got to, you know, shut down one location and fire up another location because the actor that you, you, you know, that you need isn't available. Um, also, people get sick. You know, just regular sick, colds and flus and things like that so um weather affects us uh quite a bit and uh we've we've only lost in the history of outlander we've only lost a couple days due to weather which is uh, astonishing given the fact that where we film but um our forecasters um are fantastic um and we've only we've only really kind of missed it a couple times and you know what you know that's weather so after after the scheduling meeting and uh, that kind of two week scheduling we meeting is starting to really break down the scripts and go hey either this one's too long uh, normally that's the case we try to fit in too much with the time we have to film and then we have to start you know, whittling away very, very small whittles to um, make everything fit. And again, going back to what Outlander is, you have a scene like this with, with Claire and young Ian. And on the surface, you look at the page count and you go, okay, it's a page and a half or two pages. And, and you think, all right, 
two people having a conversation, it should go fast. And then that's where where you come in and you go, hold on. Two people in a crime drama talking about something might go fast, but this is Outlander. And two people are usually having an, a, an emotional, intimate conversation about life and death and heartbreak and, and sorrow and, and, and sometimes joys and happiness. You, you, you go, well, this is going to take longer than your average, um, uh, you know, just two people having a conversation. I can go back to last episode, the Firefly scene. We had to give that a lot of time. I wanted that to be right in a sense. So, you know, we're not trying to squeeze that into the schedule. That's one of those that has to breathe. So, that's the balance you try to find. You try to find, you know, because we know an, a scene that has five, six, seven people in it. That's a lot of coverage. Coverage is essentially where you're going to point the camera. So that's the first thing you kind of look at when you're talking about a scene. We had a scene, I remember, in uh, season two um, written by the one and only Tony Graffia. I think it was six or seven pages and there were maybe 12 to 14 people around a dinner table and everybody talked and there was like, it was going to take a week and a half to film because you have to point the camera at each one of these people for the reactions for their, and for their, um, for their dialogue. And uh, Tony, uh, once she got the note that it was going to take too long, she brilliantly crafted, recrafted the scene to, you, you know, make make it filmable. And that's what we do. So you got a scene here where, of course, you know, there's multiple people. It's on the move. You're trying to get all the coverage. And I think Jackie, the director, uh, did a really nice job here um, covering covering the scene, because if you were just to do this in a, you know, singles, meaning just Sam, just Katrina, just Caitlin, that it would have taken twice as long. So that's part of the prep is how are we going to fit this big scene in a day of filming? We film for 10 hours a day. That also takes account for lunch breaks, you know, and setting up each scene, tearing down, we call them setups. How many setups you're planning in a day, how many shots you plan in a day and how much coverage you're going to get in a day. So all those things are, are very important and we need what we call the coverage or post when, when we edit. Um, so after the, the scheduling, the director and so the, the director, writer, producer and uh, uh, AD and DP go back to all the places they've been. And each of the sets, they'll, they'll walk the studio sets and then they go back to the locations and they walk them again and they really, really plan on where, where are we going to put the camera? Where are we going to put the lights? Where are we going to want the actors to stand in this scene? Where are we going to want to position them? Where's their playground, so to speak? Where are they going to be able to move throughout the scene where we can continue filming 
and we don't have to break down every single time you know they move from one place to another within the scene and a breakdown meaning stop you know cut and then relight um lighting is one of the things that takes quite a bit of time on a filming day so you you know of course you want to get the light right this is um this was filmed in a very overcast flat light but but don't think there aren't lights there helping this out because that's what the director of photography does and and um the the director and the director of photography spend countless hours together during prep going over individual shots what happens about midway through is we will have the director storyboard um some of the bigger sequences and and those of you who have gone on to star's uh website and those of you who have bought the the dvds i know they have booklet and they show some of these storyboards and and i know that on the website behind the scenes um, inside outlander will have some of the storyboards that we've used in the past um and the storyboard is basically show everybody what the director's thinking what the shots they're planning um uh I, I i get to weigh in on those i get to weigh in on everything but i get to weigh in on those and saying hey this is getting a little too big for us in the sense of this might be a little too actiony and i i like to spend less time in action unless it's extremely important to the story um and you know give you an indication you know like the duel between blackjack and jamie um it was it, that one is massive when it comes to action because it, it was it's so important to jamie and claire's story going forward why jamie did it how, you know that he was doing it claire witnessing it and you know the, the what what happened um the after effects of that so um we go through the storyboards and then once they're okay once we put our stamp on them they go out to the the crew so they know what's going on um in those particulars so what the idea is um then about uh four weeks in we have another tone meeting and the tone meeting is to go over everything that we've learned in the last four weeks so can we do this scene how is this scene adjusted you know we don't have enough time to do this scene the way we want to do it um so do we do we just trim it or do we move it to a new location that gives us the ability to do to, to film longer a lot of choices goes into um the smallest scene that you would think is a small scene there's no small scenes just like there's no small roles there's no small scenes even the smallest scene that you have seen on outlander takes a minimum an hour and that's usually set up and then to give the actors enough time to get into the performances you know looking at another hour easily so um this was a whole day affair matter a few days matter of fact so we'll have another tone meeting and this is more less about the director and their viewpoint on the script and more about um our viewpoint on the script and speaking of viewpoints look at this viewpoint um this is a a great location this little ledge exists and that pond exists and that meadow in the in the 
background there exists. The only thing that's not real, uh, the clearing's real, is the Blue Ridge Mountains in the deep background. Those are visual effects. And I always think that um, uh, John Neal, who does our uh, visual effects, is brilliant. So we have visual effects meetings, um, a lot of them. And it's because we don't want you to see them. That's why we have a lot of them, where we need them, where we don't, um, what we're gonna show. So a lot of the scenes that you saw um, last episode, so episode two, there's a cool scene, um, Jamie's holding, um, Mandy in the stables and in the background, uh, the, uh, the house is there, but in reality, I think the house had already been burned. So we used a blue screen, um, to cover up the house and we put the real house there because there was nothing there when, when, um, Sam was filming that scene. So there are ways that, you know, that we, can hide things with visual effects that we can recreate things, but these visual effects meetings are so important because you have to go out to these locations. You have to go out and go, where are we putting certain things? What are we trying to hide? What are we going to add? So and this one was actually relatively simple is that when they filmed this scene, I had already said I wanted the blue ridges in the background um, to give it call it a set extension we're extending the set to make it look um you know more realistic to uh north carolina and you'll notice this throughout outlander we went to the we built the uh, a version of the royal mile on our back lot and we extended um the royal mile visually with visual effects you know back in season three when Claire gets out of the carriage. That's just one example of multiple examples. Um, uh, and that one, that one was almost, uh, uh, you know, certainly 180 um, build of, of visual effects. And there are, the thing about visual effects is it takes a lot of time. They're called assets. You don't always have an asset that you need. So that has to be built. And the ones that, you know, mountains are relatively easy in the sense that there are a lot of assets of mountains, certainly a lot of photography and films of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So we can drop those in. It's even it's a visual effects, but they're not fake mountains. The real mountains just dropped in. There they are. So the director and, and the team will. Uh, go over every visual effects shot that they think are going that they'll need in the show. And then that, again, that comes to me and we'll do as many as we possibly can within the time constraints and budgets and all the things that you need to worry about when you're a producer. Um, and there's always two hats. I have the, 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 the writer creator um, hat and I want everything. That, per, that, that side wants everything. I want every scene. I, I want to do every, um, uh, every shot. And then there's the, the more, um, well, it's not 
not less creative. It's just more, you have to be more practical because time and money get involved and you realize we can't do all those things. So you have to make really hard choices. And I have in learning about Outlander, learning about myself a little bit more is what's important to me isn't always important to the viewing audience. And I have to always remember that when I'm in post is something that I love doesn't necessarily mean everybody else will love. And I think it works vice versa as well um, is there are so many things in these books and these stories that, um, that you, you go, I really love this scene. I want it in the episode. And then, you know, 20 other people love another scene and they really want it in the episode. And I'll go, okay, well, even though I'm technically, I'm doing air quotes right now, um, because, uh, you, you have to, I think leading isn't always just my opinion. It's taking everybody's opinion in and then making a decision about that. And I always, uh, I try to always listen um, to everybody's opinion. And some things, like I said, there's scenes that I've, I've really loved in the books and I'm like, I want this in the show and other people will, you know, love other scenes and we don't have time to do them all. And you realize this is, uh, uh, this is better for the show if, if that scene's in and not the one I loved. You can, you know, not, not that I didn't love the firefly scene last episode, but I knew that that was an important scene and it had to live and breathe and be magical. And so we put a lot of effort into that one, but a scene like this, it feels, it feels like the story could live without it. Oh, let me scratch that. A story could live without this. If you were just telling the story, you go, does it, is it necessary for the story? It doesn't push plot, but it, to me, it's necessary for the characters. It's necessary. These are the moments that make up Outlander. And a critic could say, nothing really happens. But to me, everything happens here. We watch the main characters, our leads, having a conversation about something that's super important to them. And that's why it needs to be in the show. And that's what wins out. For me, at least, that's what wins out. And... Um, Again, you know, you, you can fall back on a lot of uh, uh, scenes in Outlander that are like that, that don't necessarily push the story forward, but they make up our show. And I may be wrong, but I think that's why people come to Outlander. They want, they want to feel. They want to feel a certain way. You know, it's just like people who go to horror movies want to be scared. I think people who come to Outlander, and again, it could be wrong. It's my own opinion. Is they want to feel. They want to. They want to. They want to laugh. They want to cry. They want to. They want to really cry. And last week, we, we you know, our, our intention, and I'm twisting my mustache right now, was to make people cry, and not in an evil way, of course, um, as I laugh a little bit, 
Um, but in in a way that that you want to get to their heart, you want to make them feel. That's what this escape is. I want to feel something. I want to feel something for the characters, and I want to keep coming back and feeling. And I know that there were seasons where, you know, we didn't have a lot of joy in the in the show because we had to tell a lot of story and a lot of the story in Outlander. There, uh, there sometimes isn't that. So you we made a concerted a concerted effort to bring in some of these smaller moments that have laughter and joy and uh, characters teasing each other a little bit. And, um, you know, Jamie has a fantastic sense of humor in the books and you want to bring that out. Claire has a fantastic sense of humor in the books. So you, we, we want to really kind of bring that out more in, in the show um, as we go forward. But as you guys know, especially certainly the book readers know that for every one scene of joy you get you know diana doesn't you know mess around she's going to bring she's going to bring the pain um in the next five uh scenes so um i'm going to blame diana for that they're her books sorry I had to get a drink i'm not drinking anything special um back in the day uh Longtime listeners will know that we used to um, drink a different whiskey um, or libation every podcast. But since uh, I've been going solo on a lot of these, it feels a little too decadent to just sit here and booze it up in the middle of the day. So, but if you guys um, want to feel free, uh, uh, have some whiskey or or don't have some whiskey uh, or anything else uh, you, you feel like uh, I, I noticed um, some of the midnighters uh, are doing a lot of gin and tonics. Uh, so um, those, those can be fun too. Not that I'm recommending drinking to anybody. Um, and please, if you're going to a party, drive responsibly or drink responsibly, always drive responsibly. Anyway, that was my um, uh, PSA there for the day. Um, caves are always tough for us. Uh, anytime we see a cave in the script, art department loses their mind. And this would be one of them where, because uh, unfortunately in a real cave, there's no holes to get sunlight in and uh, to actually film. So the one light that they brought was clearly not enough to um to light the whole scene so they had to make holes in the in this in this cave um just so we can see jamie and claire which is pretty important to the show so um again uh kind of forgot where we were in the whole process i think we were a second tone meeting and then the director and the team go back out and walk the course again, start really breaking down the schedule to see you know, what could be filmed. And then after that, we go through um, I paused here because the amount of meetings we have over letters and inserts and what to do with them. Should we insert this letter so people can see it? The fact that Claire's reading it was like, well, we don't really need to see it in that moment. Um, 
because they're listening to it. So, you know, a lot of things uh, go into the decisions. Um, but we, uh, uh, once you're, once you're done with that, then we have, um, at the end of prep, we have a production meeting and the production meeting is basically dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Everybody comes to the production meeting. It's a really big meeting. You have the HODs, you have their assist, you know, assistant designers and assist, you know, uh, art directors and just, you know, all the production team and everybody gets together and they, we just go over every, the schedule and what's going to be filmed and when it's going to be filmed. And if anybody has any um, uh, concerns, um, you know, voice them now, it's that kind of like moment at a wedding where so if anybody has anything to say uh, why these two should not be wed, that's kind of like a production meeting. If there's any reason why this scene should not be filmed, speak now or we're going to move forward with this is the plan. And then after the production meeting, we have the read-through. And the read-through is, is um, kind of what, what it sounds like, is the cast of the... So we do two in one day. You do the first script. All the cast in that script comes in. They read the dialogue. And a read-through is really for the writers and the director. And we listen to... It's, it's, not, it, it, it's not a rehearsal because we do rehearsals throughout prep when we have time for them. And, you know, that's when the, the, the actors, and at any point, you know, we, we have meetings with the actors and they get the scripts too. And we have meetings with them and they talk about the dialogue. They talk about the scene and what's, um, uh, man, I was kind of only dealing with the director in this particular um, podcast, but throughout prep, the actors, we, we go through the scripts with uh, uh, certainly the series regulars and they talk about, we talk about the, the scenes in particular, especially if there's um, uh, anything, uh, you know, big going, if there's fight scenes, there's, there's stunts, there's rehearsals, we film those, we go over them. Um, the, now with the, we have an intimacy coordinator who's fantastic and we treat, um, the intimate scenes exactly the same as we would treat an action scene or a stunt scene or is they're planned out. And we go through what's going to happen and um, everybody signs off on it and we can we move forward with that. So then once we get to the read through stage is the actors read the dialogue and we listen to it and and again, sometimes there's some tongue, tongue twisters and you'll go, no, that doesn't sound great. And, you know, no, we can't do that. And um, you just listen to the flow of the scene. And um, after the read through, we jump back into the room and then we do we start with the final tone meeting. And it incorporates what we've we've heard in the read through, too, is there's just scenes. Sometimes they just don't work and you hear it for the first time. And you start making adjustments and you retone both scripts. And I think our longest tone meeting was like nine hours. It was really long. And we um, try not to do nine hours. So we started splitting. We used to do one tone meeting for both scripts in one day. And then we stopped doing that. And we're, now we just, the last tone is one day for one script and one day for the next script. And again, 
um those those tones are you know you talk about this scene and we want to make sure you know certain things are emphasized make sure that the tone and meaning hey there should be some humor in this there should be some tension in this there should be not this particular scene but in a scene you just say what you're looking for you know um and then the goal is for the director to take all this information and go out and when they start the shoot that they get that tone in the coverage and um and that's the the production of it they film it and that takes uh 24 days most of the time and then we get it to post um we get uh the director goes out and does their cut and they send it to us and i'll sit down with the cut and watch it over and over and over again and it's like this is for this scene i i toned it where i want to see the iconic drive up i want us to be reminded of that view that has been so iconic throughout the ages i want to see all of uh lollybrock i want them to see all of lollybrock so therefore i want the audience to see it too then uh I, you know, there's usually a timing issue is that I want the best, you know, the, the, the directors give the best story that they feel. And then a lot of times it, it runs over a little bit. So we have to figure out how we can get it to the right time. We only have 58, 59 minutes that we can, um, that we air. We don't air um, uh, anything longer unless it's one of those very special outlanders where we get permission beforehand to do it and then that's when you'll have uh, you know some of these uh, extended um episodes you know luckily we get an extra 15 minutes than most show you know a lot of shows are only 40 45 minutes and we get this little this this extra time i, I think it's extra it's not not really not for outlander but um it is for kind of the average show. I'll just sit with the editor and, and go over the episode, go over the episode, and I'll I'll do a cut, and then the uh, producers will um, uh, see that cut, weigh in, give a note here or there um, the, about their feelings on it, and then it goes to studio and network, and they give their notes, and we'll look at them. And then uh, we get to a position where it's locked and a locked cut is exactly uh, what it sounds like. That means we're not going to make any more changes to the timing. Um, and then that's where we start looking at visual effects because the scene's locked. Now we can put in the visual effects because it's not going to change. What you don't want to happen is start putting in visual effects and then change the shot. And now you've just wasted time and money. So um, once uh, once visual effects are picked and chosen and, and, and decided upon, then they can start working on that. And then Bear will um, uh, see the cut and the editor and the director and will always put in what we call temp music. And it's the feeling they want to convey. And a lot of our temp music now 
is music that bears already written for seasons past. And it's like, this is the feeling. So bear will get it. And then he and his team compose music for the episode and they'll send it to us. And we do a music pass and that music passes. We pick the music for the scene and we'll go, Hey bear, can you, can you jazz this one up or can you make this more sorrowful or can you do this? And, you know, obviously bear is a master at doing all of that. So he does it. And then you have moments like this where you go, Hey, you know what? Maybe this scene, instead of having music over, should be dry. Dry is obviously with no music. It's just the ambient sounds that you hear. Um, and we do that uh, in, in a lot of seasons. You don't want wall to wall music. Um, and uh, then we do, uh, color timing. And when we started doing uh, these two time periods, color timing was important because we want you to feel something different in this time than you do in the, the past. Um, so we color time them slightly different. And uh, so when you're in the, the 80s here, it has a different you know, color tone. And then when you're in the past, in the 1700s, it'll have a different um, color tone as well. So um, let's see, music, visual effects, uh, color timing. We're starting to get to the end. We're starting to get near the end. It, by the way, this all is, it's not like a law and order episode where everything takes place in an hour. This is a, a long process. This is months and months and months and months. And then the final thing we do is called a mix. It's playback. And we watch the episode um, one, one last time. And we listen to everything. Someone will go, hey, do you, do you think there should be, you know, more birds here? Or, hey, I can't really hear the hoofbeats. Or, um, hey, it's really windy. I don't, I don't hear enough wind. Or is the fireplace too loud? Or you know, I mean, just whatever comes up in a scene, we listen to it and we put those final touches on um, on the sound. You don't really mess with picture then because it's locked. And once that's done, we do this really cool thing and it's called deliver. We deliver the episode and that goes to Sony and stars and they do what they do with it. And at that point it's out of our hands and we start work on the next episode. And um, in these, in this particular season, because we had so many episodes, we, uh, and I say so many because 16 is a lot for Outlander. Um, we learned in the first season of how hard it is on everybody from the, the the beginning to the end not just not just the the crew who you know who are miraculous and and get everything out to these locations for us to shoot hard on the actors um for that extended period hard on post or you know it's just a difficult thing to do that many episodes of this type of show i know there's other shows that do 22 episodes um and and i'm sure they're very difficult as well um but a lot of times they work in standing sets they work in they don't do a lot of location 
they have um, their cast is um, um, a lot of times set. They might have one or two guest actors, but you know, ours kind of changes uh, quite a bit, you know? Um, so that's, that's what makes it so hard on, on the cast and the crew and the, and the, and the staff. So 16 this year was, um, uh, was a big haul. And, but, you know, I know you've heard the word epic too many times now, but we just, you know, tried to dig into the story. We knew we had this little bit of extra space and, and finding these little moments uh, throughout the season uh, was really important to us in the writing room and finding some of those scenes that sometimes get cut uh, in seasons past. We knew, Hey, we could do these a little bit. We have a little more time. And again, uh, a scene like this is Outlander. This is an Outlander scene through and through. And uh, I'm glad we have not only time to do them, but we dig into them. I love the music in this episode. It was really... Um, all the way through, I love the music in this episode. So uh, I hope I took you through and answered quite a bit of the questions that people have asked in the past. Maybe I didn't. Um, I'll try to do that next week on the podcast. Um, but everybody, thanks for joining me again, wherever you are in the world. Have a good night. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. I'm Matt Roberts signing off. Thanks, everyone.